No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we look at Psalm 139, where David speaks of God's perfect knowledge of himself. He prays that God would search him and know his heart and lead him in the way everlasting. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. Truth is so important. People search for it. We analyze reports. We watch other people. We investigate carefully, outwardly, but do we also carefully examine ourselves? Do we want to know the truth about ourselves? Or do we prefer to be self-deceived? If we want to know the truth about ourselves, there is really only one place we can go, and that is to God. Only God sees things the way they really are with total objectivity. Now, such perfect knowledge would be frightening were it not for the simple fact that God loves us and he loves us more than anybody else can love us. In Psalm 139, David acknowledges that nobody knows him like God knows him. God knows him better than he knows himself. I love this Psalm 139. A Psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So he says, you have searched me and known me. Now this word search means to carefully examine or determine. And it was used to describe digging deep into a mine or exploring land or investigating a legal case. And David says, you've searched me. You know my sitting, you know my rising, my getting up. You know my thoughts from afar. The idea there is that God knows what we think before we think it. You comprehend, discern, or measure my path, my lying down, and all of my ways. You determine that. You measure it. You comprehend it. You understand what I don't even understand myself. You know the words of my tongue before I even say them. You hedge me behind and before. And so the idea that God is continually about him as a shield. Do you know that Paul, when he spoke to the Athenians on Mars Hill, he said, in God, we live, we move, we have our being. And that's what David is saying here. You hedge me in. You laid your hand on me. David knew from an early age that God had anointed him to be king of Israel. And he knew probably even before that as a shepherd boy that God's hand was upon him. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. As David tried to contemplate all of this and, and God's infinite and perfect knowledge of himself, he was like, it's just all too wonderful for me. I can't comprehend it. It's like he just blew a brain fuse or something. Where can I go from your spirit? 
Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. So where can I go from your spirit? You are omnipresent. There's no place I can go to escape your presence. And even though people have tried, right? Adam tried to hide from God. Jonah tried to outrun God. It never works because God's everywhere. And that's what David is saying here. If I ascend to heaven, well, clearly God is there. If I descend to Sheol, that is the realm of the dead, God is there as well. If I travel eastward toward the rising sun, as far as I could go, God would be there. If I go westward across the Mediterranean Sea, well, God would be there as well. And wherever I go, your hand shall lead me. And what a wonderful thing that is, just to know that God is ordering your steps wherever you go. If I say the darkness shall fall upon me, well, even then, the night's not going to hide me from you. You see everything and you see me as though it were light outside. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So he speaks here of God forming his inward parts, knitting him literally together in his mother's womb. And what a marvelous thing that is, how the sperm will fertilize the egg and then all of the the creation of the infant, the embryo happens in the mother's womb. And what a wonderful process that is. And if you've been there for the birth of your child, I mean, you, you just... Praise God, because you realize how did this all happen from us? You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And then he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, when we consider this miracle of the human body, it ought to lead us to fear God. We ought to acknowledge that only a creator could do this. And this should cause us to wonder how we can know this creator and how can we find out what he wants us to do? He says, marvelous are your works. Now, I recall hearing a study that was done during the industrial age when they were making different machines and they set out to determine what would it take to build a machine that was so complicated it could actually make other machines like it. And then not only that, but that if something went wrong, it could diagnose what was wrong and even go and repair what was wrong. And they determined that if they were to build such a machine, it would be so complicated 
that it would break down before they could ever complete the building of it. <laughs> so, and yet that is what the human body does and is. And so we see what a marvelous machine it is. And that testifies to a marvelous creator. My frame was not hidden from you. Speaking of God's foreknowledge of David, in your book, all my days were written before one even came about. And so God's foreknowledge, his predestination of those whom he has chosen, he knows everything about our lives. He knows, I believe, when we're going to die and everything in between. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I find great comfort to know that God already has a plan mapped out for me if I will just trust him and walk in it. How precious also are your thoughts to me. O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So David says, how precious are your thoughts to, or it could be toward or concerning me. And they outnumber the sand. That is, they outnumber the grains of sand. That's amazing. And David is just caught up with this thought that God is thinking about him so much that his thoughts would outnumber the sand. Then he says, when I awake, I'm still with you. So, you know, we go to bed and God is with us. He's watching over us. He never slumbers or sleeps. We wake up and he's still there. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies Take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. So in all of this marvelous meditation on the wonders of God and the fact that God knows everything about David, he just sort of shifts gears and says, Oh God, that you'd slay the wicked, you know? David had a lot of enemies. And uh, he said, depart from me, you bloodthirsty men. Why? Because they speak wickedly of God. They don't know God. They speak wickedly of him. They take his name in vain. And he's like, Lord, just get rid of these guys, right? I hate them with a perfect hatred. You know, there is a place to hate evil. We are to hate evil because of how it harms humans and how it grieves the heart of God. So he says, I hate them with a perfect hatred. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So Search or examine me. David closes with a prayer that God would search his heart. And why is that? Because there's that recognition that he doesn't know himself. Jeremiah said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And so David is saying, Lord, you search my heart. You know me better than I know myself. Now, Warren Wiersbe writes, we must be cautious as we examine ourselves 
because we do not even know our own hearts. It is best to open the word and let the Spirit search us and speak to us, for then we discover the truth. We must never dispute with God, for He loves us and wants only the very best for us. So David says, try or test me, know my anxieties. See, we have a bunch of thoughts that we think, and some may be good, they may lead to good, some may lead to evil. So he's saying, God's just scanned my thoughts. <laughs> Make sure that I'm thinking the right ones. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If God shows us that something's not right, our thoughts don't measure up with his word, then we should promptly confess those so that we might be forgiven and walk in the light as he is in the light. And he finally just says, lead me in the way everlasting. Now, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. We do not want to be on that way. We do not want to be deceived. If there is any place where we need to know the truth, it's whether or not we are on the path leading to everlasting life or the path that leads to destruction. And so David says, don't let me be deceived here, God. Lead me in the way of everlasting life. What great knowledge God has of each of us, how he's willing to show us the truth about ourselves, and may we have ears to hear it and walk in it. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we look at two Psalms of David where he prays that God would deliver him from evil men and from the evil inclinations of his own heart. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. <laughs>